0: If you've got a Bible or a device, you can turn to Acts. We'll be reading from Acts 6. This morning, we're going to be talking about the organized church. And uh, to get us out of the gate, I want you to humor me. And I'm going to show you some comparisons. Where would you rather be? Where would you rather be? So here's one option the first intersection. The second intersection is this, somewhat congested. We've got traffic lights, but they're more for decorative purposes. How many people would rather be at this intersection? All right, I see that hand. How about this one? You're phoning into a call center, and after the second ring, you get this response, how can I help you? Versus this call center, due to unusually high call volume, you may encounter wait times of two to three hours. How many people would prefer this one right here? All right, well, how about this one here? You've got an opportunity to stay in this room, or you have an opportunity to stay in this room. All right, well, how many people would select this room? All right, well, there's just a general sense that uh, most of us like things organized. Now, it's somewhat complicated when we uh, show you pictures like this, because there will be a person that enjoys this. Saturday morning, you get that call, and this is no problem. I'll just lay on the horizontal on the couch and uh, put it on the speakerphone. Sorry, honey, I can't vacuum this morning. I'm going to be uh, taking in this phone call. Or this one, I ask students uh, uh, occasionally, uh, what would you rather be in a, in a bedroom like this or in a bedroom like this? And it's hard. Uh, and some people opt for this, and I'm not sure exactly why, but maybe it's got more of a cozy feel, or maybe they're thinking about the responsibility. This requires cleaning, this requires work, this requires very little responsibility. But I think regardless of where we are, we like things organized at some level. We like same-day service when we call 911. We just do, we just do. Some of us like same-day service, from Amazon, We might not consider ourselves organizers, we might not like the process of organizing, but the vast majority of us appreciate when things are organized and we see the benefits of that. And so in our passage this morning, we are going to learn about a church that did some organizing. And this is what we're going to be looking at. The problem, we've got a problem, needs of widows are not being met. We've got some racial discrimination. And then we're going to look at the solution, and we're going to notice four lessons. Mission, structure, serving, and outcome. And so before we jump into our scriptures, let's pause for a moment of prayer. God, we come before you this morning, and we're so grateful for the opportunity to be here, to take in your word, inspired inerrant. And now, Lord, we're asking for your Holy Spirit to teach us. We have needs, and we are aware that your truth often, always intersects with our needs. And Lord, that's what we're looking for this morning. May you be our teacher. May you instruct us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Acts chapter 6, verse 1 in those days when the n- number of disciples was increasing. Actually, let's just stop right there. The early church was experiencing tremendous growth. And so we have 11 disciples. And then in Acts, we read of 120. Peter is addressing a crowd of 120. And then later, 3,000 were added to their number on the day of Pentecost. Later, we read that others were added daily. And then uh, later, 5,000 men were who believed, not including women and children, and then more and more believed and were added. So by the time we're getting to Acts 6, some Bible scholars would suggest that the church size is up to 10, 15, maybe 20,000 people. And so great things are happening. God is moving, but we have a problem. Let's go back to our passage and pick up where we left off. The Hellenistic Jews, among them, complained against the Hubaric Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. And so with the rapid increase of church growth, it is no surprise that some needs are falling through the cracks. We have widows that are in need. We have widows that are going hungry. And uh, in that culture, your protection came from a husband or a father. If you didn't have a male in your life, uh, you, your survival was at risk. In fact, uh, in the book of James, we are encouraged to look after the widows and the orphans. And it's no surprise that James categorized, puts uh, the widows and orphans in the same category. There are people in many cultures who target widows uh, for sexual or financial reasons. And this is not the way of Jesus. We are to care for those who cannot care for themselves. So what is this young church going to do, experiencing an explosion of numbers and an explosion of practical needs? And they come up with a plan, a practical plan, a template that churches continue to use and we at Wallenstein use as well. And before we jump into the solution, I want us to look closer at verse one, because not all widows were in need. It was only the Hellenistic Jews. And just to give us a bit of background, the Hellenistic Jews or the Greek Jews were scattered throughout the Gentile world and they would have adopted much of the culture and language. They would have spoke Greek and uh, may have lived outside of Judea for a long time and uh, been trained in Roman culture. And then, uh, so we have the the Greek Jews, and then we have the Hebrew Jews, and they spoke Aramaic. They're living in Israel. The Jews would have um, uh, held strongly to the traditions, and uh, they would have looked down on Greeks. In fact, uh, they would have considered Greeks unclean um, compared to pigs. And uh, we can assume that they carried these same opinions over into their uh, Christian life. They considered Greek Jews second class citizens. So we potentially have discrimination, we have impartiality, division, racism. The Hebrew widows were just doing just fine, the Greek widows were going hungry. So let's read verse 2 for the solution. The solution to the problem, a group of seven men are designated to look after the distribution of the widows. The widows had needs. They've come up with a plan, and they're ready to execute the plan. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. In fact, if we read, I was just mentioning this morning that if in the generations to come, three generations from now, We have a group of students in a classroom reading this little paragraph in a textbook, their history textbook, about COVID. There was a virus, and there were masks and vaccines, and there was social distancing, and and then they carried on. We might be a little disappointed that the teacher didn't go into more detail. Could the paragraph not be a bit longer? There's more involved in that paragraph. And as I was reading and studying this, I think there's a lot in here, and that's what we want to look at this morning. And so four different things, mission, structure, serving, and outcome is what we want to be looking at as we dive deeper into this passage. And so first of all, mission. How many people have been to a Kitchener-Ranger game? Kitchener-Ranger game sometime in the past. All right, so after, I don't know if they still do this, but after the first period, uh, sometimes, or is it the second period, they bring the little guys out, the little Timbits out, and uh, Chris is gonna throw the video up on the screen just so we can get a, a good glance of the, uh, the Timbits uh, uh, skating around. And uh, by comparison, if you've just watched a period of the Kitchener, Water, uh, Kitchener Rangers playing, uh, it looks very different. As, uh, as Brad said this morning, where the puck goes, they go. Uh, somebody asked if this was Drayton hockey. It's not Drayton hockey, this is the Timbits. <laughs> But then when the Kitchener Rangers come back on for period number two and we're watching the, uh, the game, we see uh, team play, we see strategy, uh, we see positions, and it's a very different game. And so when we're looking at uh, the mission in a similar way, the apostles recognize the word of God must be preached. They can't all run after the practical need, like the uh, kids' hockey game, Just because there's hype, just because there's grumbling, just because there's murmuring, doesn't mean that they can drop what they're doing and uh, look after that themselves. And so the, the apostles saw, as we read in the scriptures, prayer and the preaching of God's word as their primary duty. And they had been witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus, and Jesus told them, eyeball to eyeball, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And as church leaders, they have a duty to look after the physical needs of the poor. That is part of the the mission. That's part of their obligation. But with the growth of numbers, they themselves couldn't keep up. So I remember one person telling me, just because there's a need doesn't mean it's your calling. We only have so much capacity. And the apostles recognize their calling is prayer and preaching the word. And there are different seasons where we have more capacity than others. We have to look after the needs that we've been given. I've got a need to be a husband. I've got a need to be a father. Sometimes we have capacity to to give outside of our home and give in the church and give in the community. And uh, we seek God's direction for the Uh, the need that he is looking for us to address our calling. So the apostles on mission recognize that they have a mission and they must stick to that. So secondly, structure. A group of seven men are assigned to oversee this need. And now Acts never uses the word deacons. Um, Certainly what we see here is a template that was created for churches Uh, a group of people focused on spiritual needs, the elders, and a group of people focused on practical needs, the the deacons. That's the template that we see here. But in our passage, this group of seven was looking after the responsibility of distributing the food. And later in Scripture, we read the deacons coming alongside the elders and helping out with the practical needs. Now, there's no description in Scripture on what the deacons are supposed to do there's qualifications and the qualifications are high we read those in 1 Timothy 3 just because the deacons look after the practical needs does not mean that it is of less importance than the spiritual needs because it is a part of the mission of the church even in the first group they were looking for seven men full of the spirit full of the spirit and wisdom stephen and philip the only two men we really know anything about in that list were certainly full of the spirit and wisdom and met those qualifications. Uh, A little side note, um, we mentioned that there was most likely racial discrimination in the church as they were addressing this need, as they were addressing this crisis. And the question of whether the Hebrew and Greek widows should receive the same treatment was not even a part of the discussion. That was not even on the table. In the Bible, we read that God shows no favoritism, and nor should we, regardless of your gender or your race, there is no favoritism at all. And uh, um, what's interesting about these seven men as well is they all had Greek names. It's quite possible most or perhaps all of these Greek Jews spoke the language and understood the culture of these Greek widows. And what is even more interesting is that the people selected these seven men And so even though there may have been discrimination and there may have been racialization, when it came time to organize, they recognized that we need to get the right people in place. And as I was studying this passage in in Acts 6, I was just reminded again of how much I and so many of you appreciate the deacons that we have. We've got a group of deacons that have a variety of skill sets, and a lot of experience, and they work well as a team. And the only thing they can't agree on is the shade of blue. So. This uh, chart is outdated, as most things are during COVID, but this gives you a sense, and again, you can't necessarily read that, but it just gives you a sense of all of the needs and all of the responsibilities, very practical needs, that this group of men uh, look after. And we've got three leadership teams, the elders, the deacons, and also Thrive come alongside with the elders as well. And, and uh, we recognize them as well, doing a great job, a number of ministries that they're, that they're working with. And we also have three pastors that focus on different areas within the church. And again, there's a number of people that are also uh, leading teams uh, addressing children and youth and, uh, and uh, women's ministry and seniors and uh, prayer teams, all sorts of uh, people organizing uh, other people so that we can meet the needs of our people. So number one, we've got mission. Number two, we've got structure. And now thirdly, we have serving. The purpose of structure is to co- accommodate more people, get more people involved so that more needs can be met. As needs increase, people are needed to serve. And uh, I really like Acts 4. This just gives us that perfect picture of the church. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. That is a beautiful picture. We all have needs. We all enter into seasons when we are more needy than maybe other seasons but we are meant to be interdependent. We are needy. And this morning, we had children, a ton of children here, and we had a bunch of adults who were meeting the needs of children. Children have a need to hear the word of God, and they have a need to belong, and those adults were doing just that, making the word of God accessible to their level. Structure and organization only work if everyone does their part. And one of my favorite movies, next to Peter Rabbit, obviously, is uh, the Bee Movie. You can tell what stage of life I'm, I'm in. Uh, the Bee Movie highlights the value of a bunch of people, or bees, coming together to pollinate and to produce honey. Organization only works when we do our part, and if we ask the deacons, how does all of this work? It only works when everybody, that big chart with a whole bunch of names, only works because people step up and people help coordinate and look after tasks. Now even, w- even within those tasks, some people are not administrative, they're not into the coordination, they're specialists. Uh, they're good at just just give me a, a task that I can specialize in. I can play that piano, I can lead music, I can usher, I can, I can uh, greet at the door, I can lead a Sunday school. A group. I can do all these things, but don't let me coordinate. We're all wired different uh, different ways, and I like the Bible's imagery of a body. Just like the body has many parts, so we, Christ's body, have many parts serving in His kingdom. In an organized church, there is mission. Secondly, structure. Thirdly, people serving, and fourthly, in this passage, we're going to look at the outcome. All right. Well, you guys were good with the, the first part in humoring me. Let me uh, um, humor me again. Please humor me again. I'm going to show you a picture of a, of a woman, and uh, you are going to uh, guess her age. Either she's 25 or 85. And uh, again, you don't know this woman. She doesn't have a name. She's not a real person. This is completely safe. What we're doing here is really safe. So option number one, 25, or option number two, 85. So I'm going to give you five seconds to look at the picture. And now we are going to pick an option. So how many saw a 25-year-old? You looked at the picture, oh, that's a 25-year-old. All right, so we've got a number of people. I see a 25-year-old. And how many people, no, I think she looked closer to 85. Probably closer to 85. All right, good, good. All right. We're gonna look at the picture again, but it's interesting again, that we can look at the same screen and see something very different. And the same thing happens when we get organized and we've all got organized over the last year and a half during COVID at home. All right, we got to reorganize. Let's talk this thing through at the church, at the workplace, we need to reorganize. And uh, did you ever see anybody that had a different perspective than you on any one of those spheres? Absolutely, we've got very, very different perspectives. And so this time, I want you to look at that woman, but I want you to try to see the other person's perspective. Some people said they saw a 25-year-old woman, you saw an 85-year-old woman. Look for that 25-year-old woman and vice versa, and then we're going to vote again. All right, let's vote again. Uh, This time we've got three options. Option number one, I saw a 25-year-old woman, that's all I saw. Option number two, 85-year-old woman. Uh, Number three, I think I saw two women. There was a 25-year-old and an 85-year-old. All right, how many people saw a 25-year-old woman? Put up your hand if you saw a 25-year-old woman and an 85-year-old woman. Yep, I saw an 85 we got a number of hands for both. And then option three, 25, I saw two, I think I saw two. Great, now we got three perspectives. This is going good, all right. So we need to bring this together and I'm going to uh, do a little unity activity. Here's the unity activity. In this activity, we all need to agree on one option and I'm going to make a motion and we are going to vote on this motion. So this motion is gonna look like this. We all agree there are two women in this picture. So even though not all of you saw two women, based on what you're observing this morning, can we all agree that there are two women in this picture? All right, so I'm going to make a motion. I make a motion. We all agree there are two women in this picture. Do we have a seconder? Yep, thank you. All right, we have a seconder. All in favor? Any opposed? (laughs) Almost as good as the morning crowd. Almost as good, but you still passed. All right. Even though we have individuals in this room that can't see the two women in the picture, when it comes to forwarding a motion, they're voting for, for yes. And don't feel bad if you didn't see the, uh, the two women. I, did this, I do this uh, quite, quite often with, the, uh, with my students. And uh, just the other week, uh, we, um, I had uh, other month, I had shown uh, this for the third day in a row at the beginning of class. And it's very hard because it comes down to one person that uh, hasn't seen the two pictures. And finally, the last person said, oh, now I see it. I don't think you saw it. (laughs) So the point is this. Even though some of you can't see things the way others do, you support the motion. You support the decision. And I've got to think that this is what happened in Acts 6. There's a problem. The apostles created a plan. And then look closely at verse 5. The proposal pleased the whole group. I'm going to read that again. The proposal pleased the whole group. And maybe I'm just jaded, but I have a really hard time believing that everybody thought this was the best plan. And it's not saying that, but there had to be some out there that thought there should be eight. It can't just be seven. There's got to be eight people involved. There had to be somebody that said, Peter should be spearheading this thing. Nobody speaks their mind like Peter. Peter's got to be involved in this group. There had to be a widow. I don't know, did, uh, did, did John personally distribute the food to, uh, to, to the widows? got to be a widow that said, if John's not bringing that food to me, I don't want any food. There had to be some sort of tension, but the proposal pleased the whole group. There might have been people that had different ideas, but based on the general feeling that day, everyone was pleased with the plan. They could debate the plan for the next year and go hungry, but at this point, however, we have a plan. It seems spirit-led. We are pleased. Let's move forward. Little side note. None of our leadership decisions are made by a vote. There might be a show of hands or a vote just to gauge uh, where we're at in, in the decision, but all decisions are made by consensus. Uh, we share our perspectives, we discuss, we pray, and then we decide. And sometimes we start the discussion from very different perspectives. But in the end, we only move forward when we all agree. And that's why some decisions are made quite slowly. This is similar to those who put their hands up agreeing to there being two women in the picture. Did you see the two women in the picture? Uh, no, but looking around the room at a number of people that you maybe trust, you supported the plan. You endorse the plan. And unity comes through humility and submission. So the plan is executed. The seven men have been given the responsibility, and over the weeks to come, people need to adapt to the change, and change is sometimes hard. Nicanor, one of the seven men, who is he? Where did he come from? What does he know about leadership? What credentials does he have? There had to be somebody that was saying that in that crowd. We experience this as well in our own lives. Change impacts us. We've experienced change in the home, change in the workplace, change in the church. Uh, We experience a change of maybe small group leaders. What does a small group leader know? Sunday school teachers? Uh, Change in in people doing different things, and it's sometimes hard for us. But getting organized requires change, and sometimes change is, is hard, and that's the reality. What makes this passage in Acts 6 remarkable is the unity despite the previous Disunity. It's been humbling to see the unity that we have experienced here over the last uh, 20 months. But even if we do enter into a season of murmuring and crumbling, uh, we know that we can return to unity. This is a prime example. So what's the outcome of mission, structure, serving? This here. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased Rapidly, the spread of God's word, and I'll just put our discipleship pathway up while I mention this. The spread of God's word means more people are experiencing forgiveness of sins, more people are experiencing peace with God, more people are growing in faith, following God's will for their lives, and more people are coming, as the Bible describes, alive in Christ. I'm going to ask the music team to come up. This is our hope for WBC. God, God is calling us to his mission of meeting people's needs. He is calling us to organize and move forward in unity. Tyler was on the losing team. It's a very important soccer game. The score was 12 to 2. Finally, he throws up his hands in disgusts. We're never going to win. I'm done. Walking off the field, another player on his team says, No, just stay in there. Stick to it. Just try your best. Just try your best. We're sometimes not much different than Tyler. kind of feel like sometimes we're playing a losing battle, and we kind of feel like we just want to throw up our hands in despair. The Apostle Paul would have a word for us. Paul is on the road to Damascus. And he is out to destroy this movement. There was a group of people that believed that someone had rose from the dead. They believed that somebody had power over death. And on his road to Damascus, Paul is blinded. And he comes to have an experience with Jesus Christ, a resurrected Jesus Christ. Let's um, read these words together from Paul death has been swallowed up in victory where o oh, death is your victory where o oh, death is your sting the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law but thanks be to god he gives us the victory through our lord jesus christ we are not in a losing battle our captain jesus us jesus encourages us to keep playing Not even death has power over him. And by his spirit, we continue to push forward, doing the work of the Lord and meeting the needs of the people. Let's close in prayer and then you're dismissed. Heavenly Father, we come before you and again, we recognize that we are needy people. We are created for interdependence and you have put us on a mission. And we are praying that you might help us to Um, be focused on the mission that you have given us. Lord, you have called us to spiritual needs, physical needs, and uh, many other needs, emotional needs, and mental needs. And Lord, I'm praying that you might help us to move together in unity. Lord, encourage our hearts. And uh, Lord, if uh, uh, there are those in the room that have capacity to give beyond the the, uh, needs that they are addressing now, I'm praying that you will prompt them. And Lord, for those of us who are... uh, have her, have her needs, um, whether it's at home or uh, whether it's with uh, uh, older parents or younger kids or, or whatever it is, I pray that you might uh, revive that calling within us in a sense of duty. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>